Okay, good afternoon, uh, everybody, and almost good evening in the uh, East Coast here. Uh, this is the option professor who's going to be speaking for the next uh, 60 minutes, and we're going to cover quite a bit of information. So if you want to get a pen and paper handy, that would be a good idea. Um, a quick um, uh, announcement on disclosure. Again, uh, we're not going to be giving out advice, any specific advice to anybody specific. So uh, the advice always comes from your brokerage firm and yourself, because uh, you can determine your suitability or your risk tolerance much better than anybody else. So uh, I'll be uh, sharing with you my opinions and my views, but again, it's not uh, meant to be a recommendation or a uh, advice. Okay, uh, quick background. I've been doing this for 40 years. I uh, I've been uh, trained and uh, involved in the markets on all different fronts from uh, the commodity area, the option area, of course, and uh, then uh, stock and bonds and international. So, you know, uh, after four decades, I'm pretty familiar with the whole ball of wax here. And uh, so I'm going to be sharing with you my views and my observations. Of course, on the option front, uh, you know, uh, I obviously have uh, done so many seminars on these things uh, nationwide and in Canada uh, over the years. So uh, doing uh, hundreds and hundreds of seminars nationwide for thousands and thousands of people, I'm pretty familiar on how to explain options to you. Uh, what we uh, will have at the end, I'm going to be going over the markets first. And at the end of the uh, near the end of the broadcast, I'm going to be showing you some um, ratios uh, that I think are outstanding to keep in mind because, you know, uh, you can't uh, you can't be oblivious to the relationship between, uh, say, uh, growth and value or oblivious against the value of gold versus stocks or real estate versus income, all those kind of things. But if you graphically can see it, it really hits home, international stocks versus US. So I've got some ratio charts I'm going to share with you that I think will be very enlightening for you. Um, with regards to um, uh, the options area, uh, I'm not going to go into a whole bunch of option strategies because this is supposed to be about technical analysis and things we use technically. So I'm going to try to harp on that. But uh, let it be known, you know, if you have an interest in options and you want to talk to somebody who knows a lot about them, you know, uh, basically at the end of the broadcast, you can contact me. You know, uh, real briefly, uh, when you're uh, using options, you're really trying to do three things with them. You're trying to either get some income or cash flow. That would be the writer. Uh, you are trying to hedge, meaning you want an option position that will offset some of the risk you're taking. Or the third thing is you want limited risk leverage speculation. And that's basically when you're buying calls, puts, or uh, debit spreads, or, uh, or debit, uh, you know, debit spreads, or those kind of things. And then, of course, as far as trading them is concerned, you know, uh, there are some things you can do as far as trading them to try to reduce the risk, like rolling your position or a legging into a spread where you uh, sell an option against something you bought for greater than what you bought it for. And then obviously the risk is out of the trade because if it goes against you, as far as the loss is concerned, if you do lose on your buy side, you could collect on your sell side and walk away flat. So those are the kind of little techniques that I'm very familiar with. And like I say, in this particular format, I'm not going to get into all that. But remember, I can help you with that if you're interested. Um, and, um, you know, basically some general rules that I like to use with options. You know, if I'm going to be writing calls, you know, I prefer to write them, you know, not all the time, you know, because nothing is going to be a good idea all the time, right? I mean, sooner or later, if you if you win on five in a row, you know, the market will correct and they'll probably nail you on the sixth. You know what I mean? So basically, I like to, if I'm selling calls, I like the price of the strike price to be high right? Because I'm agreeing to sell the stock at a certain price for a certain period of time. So obviously, I want, a, I want the, high, uh, the highest strike price, which will happen when? After a rally, okay? Then uh, I want to get paid a good premium, 
Well, you got to be doing the premiums when people are buying options and people aren't buying options when they're in the toilet. So if you're selling calls when it's down, you're going to get a lousy strike price basis history and you're going to get a lousy premium. So I say that's a no sale. Uh, if you get a big rally in a stock and you think that the rally doesn't have unlimited legs, you go 10 or 20 percent out of the money, start selling the calls. You're going to get pretty well paid because everyone's buying calls because it just had a big rally. Right. And then, of course, if it starts to roll over, you can press the call down, which means buy back the one that shrinks and sell another one. Um, on the other side of the trade, you know, if you're selling puts, you're agreeing to buy stock. So you got to make sure you got the money in there to buy the stock. Otherwise, you're going to be on margin. And if it keeps going down sharply, you could go through your deposit money and even owe money. So obviously, writing puts on a fully paid basis are called cash secured. Sometimes can be a very good idea, particularly if you have a stock you like and it's gone into the abyss, you know, like NVIDIA, something like that, where we go down to 100 bucks and you think, you know, if I sell the 80 put for uh, 10, I'm picking up NVIDIA at 70, you know, that's not scaring me because I don't think the company's going out of business, nor do I think it's going to be uh, devalued that far. So that would be a strategy uh, to look at at that point. And then basically uh, some people, after they sell the puts, like to take the call uh, the put money and buy calls with it and do what they call a, a, a call reversal strategy. So there's a lot to talk about in these strategies. I'm very obviously familiar with all of them. Some of you are out there, in my view, not, not using the strategies correctly or maybe getting some bad um, advice on it or uh, information, let's call it. Uh, because again, whenever you do anything in life, you'd like to do it when the odds are on your side, right? I live here in Las Vegas. I know all about odds, right? So we're trying to get the odds on our side. And, you know, if you're selling calls into the abyss for tiny premiums, you know, is that really the odds on your side? Or if you're selling puts on something that's already gone up 50% and, uh, you know, maybe could have a correction bad, is that a great time? So, you know, I will give my opinion to people on when I think the timing might be a little bit better on both uh, the option buying and the writing. And of course, when you're trying to do writing, you're trying to increase your dividend income. So basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to do, like you say, you're, you're, this is the original thought anyway, because uh, I've been doing it for probably since they came out, right? So uh, the original thought was trying to double your uh, dividend income. So if you're getting a 3% dividend and you can write calls and make six, that's not bad. Um, it was never meant to be a home run strategy. Uh, with regards to other strategies, sometimes people like to buy deep in the money options and then sell the out of the money calls against it, you know, to try to uh, reduce the cost of the uh, in the money call. That's a strategy. It's not always a good one, but you know it's a strategy. And if you are out there and uh, enjoying that strategy and you want an outside view on it, you know I'm more than happy to help you there too. And then leveraged uh, speculation. I mean, gold goes down to 1,700 bucks, and it used to be at 2,100. You might say to yourself, you know what? I don't think it's going down to 1,500 here. So uh, I think I'd like to have a leveraged position in gold, and I'd like to have or the gold stocks, and I'd like to uh, go out in time. You know, when things are way down in price, the options are going to be cheaper. So why not push the seller into a corner and buy a lot of time, right? And then sit back and smell the coffee. If you did that on the metals, on the industrial metals, on some of these uh, stocks that were way down on the tech, obviously right now you got the seller into a big corner because uh, you bought premium when they were way down and then you bought a lot of time. So that seller is in big trouble. Right. So, again, there's different things, you know, that I do because I realize options are all about time and price. So if you're writing them, let's use common sense. Probably better to sell a little time and a lousy price. Uh, if you're buying options, obviously, your big thing is you're fighting time and price. Those are two big enemies, right? Because time's definitely going to go by and price may not go your way right away. 
So when you're buying options and if you're losing, you know, you're losing to, uh, you know, Muhammad Ali's uh, two hands because uh, time and price are two big uh, punching bags and fighting them all the time. You're going to probably not win because they're pretty powerful. Uh, again, one is definitely going to happen and the other one might. Right. You know, time's definitely going to go by and the other one might happen, which means you might be wrong on the on the stock, particularly in the middle in the short term. So if you're getting in at a pretty good time. You might want to again buy time. And if buying time, maybe think you think it might cost too much money, then you might have to be relegated to doing a spread where you buy one option and sell another so you can reduce your net risk, but still give you reasonable strike prices and reasonable break even. So again, uh, I've been doing the option so long, I can really uh, talk about it, uh, you know, off uh, in my sleep because I know uh, the ins and outs of it. Uh, and they do have risk to them. And obviously they're not right for everybody. But uh, to find out if they're right for you, I always say, find out about it. And I think I can help you with that because there's a lot of different ways to trade these options. And I go on the internet, just like you guys, there's 9 trillion guys out there with a YouTube site or some kind of a the website, and they all know about all this stuff. So, you know, like everything in, uh, in life, uh, there's like a, uh, what they call saturation, right? So you got a saturation of information out there and everyone's got their own idea and they only cite their winners and all kinds of bad stuff is going on. So you got to be careful. I think it's always good to find somebody who gives you a balanced explanation and doesn't dismiss the risk involved because to be honest, you know, that's the first thing you should worry about. Okay. So I'm going to start getting into the markets here and give you some ideas of what's cooking. Uh, the stock market, if you've been reading my stuff, what did I tell you? I told you that we have got uh, support down here at uh, 38.75. So this is a 20-year graph. I try to look at stuff on a 20-year, five-year, one-year, and one month. Why is that? 20-year gives me the big picture. One in five gives me more intermediate. And then the one month gives me the short term. Right. So right now you can see the opened up the uh, the evening session and we popped up six points here. We're up around forty nine, forty uh, thirty nine. Uh, look where this is. This thing is right ready, uh, you know, uh, in the middle here. So uh, it's up against the upper band. The upper band is at, like I said, around 40, 50, 40, 41 right there. Right. That's where the 12 SMA is. And the rising uh, 36 SMA is thirty eight seventy seven. So, you know, this is why we're constructive on the market. Uh, concerned about this level for resistance right here again, but until we break underneath 38.75, you know, we and the RSI is at 51, you know, uh, the, the risk is still that it's going to break to the upside. So that's why, you know, you got to be careful. If I go to the, if you're negative, um, if you go to the five year, Again, you know, this thing had an opportunity. There's a traffic jam right around 3930, like I was mentioning in my uh, information, anywhere between 3900 and 3960. So again, prints under 3900. And that's why it, was, it went the other day to like 3891. It was there for like three minutes. So again, you know, that's where the support is. So, you know, if you want to get bearish, you know, you'd be better off getting bearish on a break under 3,900, then you'd have a crowd behind you. And, you know, if you don't have a crowd behind you, you get into the pickle you're in right now, which is what? Hoping against hope that it goes back down. So anyway, uh, there's my uh, support. 38.75 uh, is the big support. And uh, 39.65 would be the yellow flag. And underneath 3,900 would be more of the red flag. So you've got support there. So there's a reason to be long and the RSI is at 53. And if it starts breaking above this 40, 50 area, you know, uh, where would it go? Well, you know, 42 to 4,400 is not out of the question by any means. Okay. But you've got a Fed meeting on Monday. 
and you got to, or Tuesday, and you got to figure out what are these guys really going to say? Are they going to come out and say, listen, we're happy that monetary, uh, that financial conditions since October are easing tremendously? Are they going to be happy to see that people are speculating again, buying the ARC funds and buying all these other uh, stocks, which I see today got nailed, you know, some of the uh, high PE and they don't really have earnings, but they're going to, they've all come back hugely on short covering and spec. Again, is that really what the Fed's looking for when they're trying to get uh, that uh, the demand down and try to cool this thing off? So we'll have to see what they say. But I would uh, be a little bit surprised if they were um, playing happy days or here a gun uh, at the meeting on Tuesday, uh, more like handing out coffee at a um, at a drinking party, maybe. So be a little bit careful, but don't fight the tape is our, you know, our thing. Don't fight the tape. So uh, again, that's where it looks like on a on a on a on a five year basis on a one year basis. Uh, let's take a look here. And you can see again, uh, you got the nice uh, uh, 12 SMA moving up pretty nice. So again, where's it come in at? 39.85. So again, it starts breaking under 39, uh, 4,000, starts breaking under 39.50, starts breaking under 3,900. And you want to trim or get out or hedge or whatever you want to do, that would make a sense. Right now, you know, I see most of the lines are under the market, not above it. So that's why people that are short are out there sweating bullets and they are hoping against hope that the thing will come back down. Uh, that's not where you want to be. Uh, the one month, again, one month gave us a nice buy signal here at 3920, right? We had a break, came down to 3900. You saw all the averages are. There's a reason why it stopped there. We've got a buy signal for so for uh, short term traders, you're pretty much got in there around there. Uh, got tested here, a little bit of a break here, but now it's back on the bicycle. So right now, breaking under 4032 or 4020, you know, uh, that might get you rolling over on a short-term basis. But the blue line looks like it's rising pretty good. Uh, if you want to put it on the shortest leash possible, then you look at the five-day or the one-day. And the five-day, again, you know, if it starts breaking under 40-30 or 40-20, can you see that would probably roll this over? So if you're short-term trading, that's when I'd be looking at it. And if you look at a one-year basis, you are looking at, uh, I mean, a one-day basis. Again, it's trying. Now, like I say, maybe there's a reason it's having a little trouble here. The high of the day is 40-40, right? And we said 40-41, 40-50. So those numbers are kind of big. Uh, Microsoft came out with some good earnings, but it looks like their revenues are kind of really slowing down and they're 27 PE ratio. So do you want to pay 27 PE ratio for a company that their CEO is expecting a slowdown and their revenues are not really that robust? And Azure is not growing at quite the clip that people used to. So that's the questions you have to ask. But again, you know, the tape is still positive as we see it now, but it wouldn't take a tremendous amount of selling uh, to turn it around. So you got to keep things a little bit on a short leash up here until we were to break and get above these highs here. You see 40, uh, 48, that's where I came up with the 4050 number. So let's see how they can do. Uh, if it starts rolling over, you know, and you have some gains, how do you hedge things? You can do uh, covered calls. That's a bit of a hedge. You can sell calls and buy puts. That's called a collar. Or you could just buy some puts with some of the gains you've had as insurance. Again, or put spreads. Just uh, anything that would benefit from a drop that would offset some of your risks that you're taking on the long side. Again, I'm very familiar with all this stuff. And so, uh, you know, if you have questions on it, that's why we invite you to call or contact us. Okay. Uh, so there you go. We're there. Now let's go over to the uh, tech stocks, which is your QQQ. Let's take a look there. Because I'm going to go over the sectors that everyone's, you know, obviously uh, involved in or keen on or whatever. So here we go with the QQQs. And let's go to the 20 year first. Big picture, then we've reduced the picture, okay? 
I guess Western Digital came out with some kind of mixed results too. So again, people aren't thinking that the fourth quarter is going to be slow earnings. What they're thinking is, is Q1, Q2, Q3 might be slow earnings. Okay. So that's why you have to be a little careful about your enthusiasm because again, um, earnings are not forward looking. They are factual from 90 days, you know, from the fourth quarter. Okay. And um, accounting, you know, who knows how they manage these things sometimes. All right. So anyway, on a 20-year graph, you can see it's had a heck of a time getting above the 12 SMA. So really, until it gets above there, it's kind of hard to get uh, your party hats out on it. This looks like a reversion rally until it gets back above 300. So if it gets above 300, you, you know, then it's obviously getting going. Gets above 307, then it looks like it might be really getting going. So it'll be a little careful because, again, RSI is still under 50. So be a little bit careful. But, uh, you know, don't fight the tape if it starts going up because, you know, nobody knows for sure what the future brings. Uh, five year, again, now it's starting to get going. You see the uh, 12 SMAs trying to turn up. So if you are bullish, you definitely don't want it underneath 280. And so there's a good little uh, area where you'd want it. And of course, 260, you took that out and then we're really going into the soup. But uh, this thing has definitely uh, obviously been discounted. Look, you were way above 400 there and then you're down to 260. So again, if it's going to have a rebound rally, there could be more legs. Again, you've got a reason to be long uh, as long as it gets above, uh, stays above this 280, it looks like. On the one year, probably can get a no. There's your 280, 279, right? The one, yeah, the, one uh, the 12 SMA, 278. So there it is, 278, 280. That's your range where you'd want it to stay above. The direction of the one year is very important and it is pointing up. So that's why we don't become negative when things are pointing up like that. You'll notice when the market's going down, the 12 SMA is pointing down. So, and even if it breaches it, like it did here back in September, that breach didn't last. So the direction of the, S uh, the uh, 12 SMA is obviously very important to me. Uh, one month. Okay. So again, you're nothing, you know, nothing. You got a, a nice buy down here at 264, maybe a little bit of a sell here at 270, 280, uh, back on the bike at 278. And you're right on the bike. And uh, right now it comes in at 270, uh, 286. Okay. RSI is a little bit on the high side at 67. So that's why, you know, let's see how things pan out. Uh, Thursday is sometimes reversal day. Uh, so you'll have to see if that uh, if that happens or not. There's obviously a lot more earnings coming out. And then on Friday, you get that PCE. You know, if that core inflation doesn't break very much, uh, Tuesday, they're not going to be very happy. And so, again, between the easing of financial conditions and if the PCE doesn't show any core breakage, because, again, you know, energy prices were down, but, you know, maybe they're going back up a little bit. Food prices maybe backed off a little bit, but, you know, they're, they're not exactly stable. And uh, they keep saying that rents are dropping, but you know, I'm sure the landlord, uh, before he's going to start discounting, because uh, I live in a city that has a pretty tight uh, real estate uh, you know, uh, rental market. And so I would be very uh, doubtful that uh, people are slashing rents. But uh, if that's what the numbers say, that's what the numbers say. We do know that housing prices are backing off. And when I show you this ratio at the end of this meeting, uh, it'll probably uh, you know, knock your socks off. So stay around for the end because some of these ratios of like home prices versus income or international stocks versus U.S. stocks. I mean, if you see the pictures on this, you're going to find out that you'll have a pretty good idea of how, you know, stretched some of these things are. Okay, so there you are with your QQQs. And uh, let's go to those small caps because the whole world says get into small caps. Let's see what that means.
uh, again, if we're coming out of that 2000 area, 2003, you know, if that's going to be the area we come out of, yes, small caps do very good. Metals do very good. Uh, materials do very good. So again, small caps have made a turn here. Let's see what it looks like though. Cause I think it's a tenuous see right there. It's getting very close to it, but I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it's, it could go either way. You go, that's what look at the R size at 49, right? Uh, the uh, uh, 12 SMA is at 186. We're trading at 186. So this thing breaks down, uh, you know, underneath the uh, 175, 170, or if it can get above 190 and then above 200, then I think you've really got something cooking here. But right now, you know, to be honest, it, to me, it looks like it's on the ledge. So I'd be a little bit careful. You got a nice rebound rally though. So be careful that you don't lose your gains if you have any. Uh, the five year, the five year graph, what does that tell me? Okay, the five-year, again, is trying to turn up a little bit, but the one-year is kind of flattening out a little bit. That's why I say this thing starts breaking underneath 180, 175, uh, and the RSI is at 54 now. So if it starts breaking back under 50, I'd be careful. Again, above 190, you can see the resistance right there. You know, Then you could obviously use this 180, one, uh, this 180 182 area as a uh, nice uh, floor. Uh, if you could break above that one, uh, 190 area. Right now in the aftermarket, it's down a little bit. Looking at it on a one-year basis, again, nice uh, trend. Uh, hit the 12 SMA, it's pointing straight up. So here you can even keep it on a shorter leash uh, around 183, 184. So again, reason to be bullish, reason to be constructive. Keep it above 183, 184. Keep it above 178, 180. That's the story as far as I can see. When would it might break here? Again, starts breaking under 186 and 184, right? then this stuff would turn around. How's the RSI? Is it diverging? Let's see. You've got your high point here and the RSI did what? Let's see. High point here at 189 and RSI was around 78. Now you've got a high point up here. Your RSI is at 64 and your RSI is at 58. This thing starts breaking. In hindsight, you'll say there was a divergence. So that's why I'm saying, you know, keep an eye on these things. Uh, don't fight the tape, but uh, you know, don't go to sleep at the wheel. That would be what I would say. Okay, uh, there you go. What your um, with your um, small caps. Now I'm going to start going over some of the stuff that money is plowing into, and see if there's a reason to be concerned there. Where's money plowing into? It's plowing into Europe. Why is it plowing into Europe? Because for whatever reason, they didn't get any cold weather up until now. And so the uh, natural gas prices have obviously collapsed from 10 to 3. Are you kidding me? I mean, everyone was talking about there's going to be no natural gas and there's going to be all kinds of problems. I mean, whenever you hear one thing, it goes the other way. I mean, Leon Cooperman was on CNBC and he said, you know what? I don't like this market, but I tell you what I don't like is everyone has got negative forecasts and the market very rarely uh, accommodates uh, the majority. And what has happened since the beginning of the year? Well, you know what's happened, okay? So that that uh, negative trade has been stopped out or they've had to come back into the market because their boss is saying, why are you out of the market? It's up 10%. You're not paid to sit in money market here. What are you doing? So there's been pressure to cover shorts and pressure to put uh, money together in this January effect. That's not going to last forever possibly. So that's why you got to be careful. Um, okay, so there's Europe. Let's start with 20 years on it. Okay, now this goes out back to 2008. And again, you know, um, again, this is why we could see um, a little bit of a drop here uh, on this stuff, because why? It's had a big run. It's running into some moving averages. The 12 SMA has not turned up. So you have to be a little bit careful here. If the, this is all, obviously, the dollar went from 115 down to 101. <laughs> That's a big drop. That's going to help these people. And China's reopening. That's going to help these people. Okay. But we've already 
uh, the, the advance of last year's dollar, we've already given back 75% of that advance. So this dollar weakness thing is no new story. Again, we've given up 75% of the advance from last year. They've already taken a lot of juice out of this thing. And 100 area, 100.102 is some support right before 95.97. So we'll have to see if it consolidates here or even has a bit of a rally, because if it does, the stuff that has rallied on weak dollar could change its tune. The euro hit around 108, 110. If it ever were to back, uh, back off to 105, 106, I would imagine this stuff could get hit. And with this uh, 12 SMA not turned up yet, again, I'd be uh, watching things pretty closely because that's a pretty, you just had what? What's 28 to 37? That's going to be 10 bucks on 28. That's not a bad move. It's the 35% move since when? Since October, 90 days, uh, 35% on a on a ETF. That's pretty big. Uh, the other thing in Europe is your bank. So to go to EUFN. And again, the valuations in Europe are quite low. And uh, again, they are in they're in good shape. But uh, you know. Uh, you'll see their housing situation is no joke in Paris and London. And if they redo those prices, you know, people aren't going to feel richer. Um, here's uh, the uh, the thing on um, on uh, the banks. These are the banks, European banks. Okay, so there you go. You got a little buy signal there at 17. It's up at 19. RSI is looking pretty good. But again, the, R, the uh, 12 SMA is not exactly, you know, it doesn't look like it did back in 21, does it? No. So again, is it possible you get a pullback? It's possible. Um, now, this one looks better, the five-year. Uh, and it gives you a little bit of a get out there at around what, uh, at about 18. Uh, you looks like you got a little bit of a gap around uh, 1860. And you might have a little bit of a gap here at 1629. So if it does pull back, those would be logical places where it might get some. Uh, looking at the one year on the financials over there. Let's take a look. Again, looks a little bit ex extended, right? A little bit extended. So you have to be careful up here. This thing's giving you a pretty good uh, short uh, short leash, uh, staying at above 1914. It's at 1952. So you got a little bit of a short leash right there. And then the one month, yeah, certainly under uh, 1920 and 1914 on the, uh, the other number, that might be an indication that things could roll over a little bit. RSI, uh, when it made this high up here, was up at 79, uh, just made a new high, and the RSI is down at uh, 69. Well, that's called divergence, and sometimes that means it's running out of gasoline. So got to be careful and uh, and see what's going on. But that's the Europe situation. Um, let's take a look at China, because, again, that's another one everyone is jumping into. You know, we've liked um, a couple of things in China. One, of, of course, was uh, Las Vegas Sands, and we liked it at 35 bucks. Why do I like it there? Because, again, they're in lockdown, right? And when they're in lockdown, can they do much gambling? No. When they get out of lockdown... Do you think they're going to gamble? I live in Las Vegas. I can tell you that the people in China, there's a lot of them that like to gamble. And that's why there's a thing called Macau. Okay. So that's why we liked them down there at 35, because we knew that after nighttime comes dawn. The other thing we liked was uh, DD, D-I-D-I. Why? Because it went down to like a buck and a half. And uh, they are a, uh, the Uber ride sharing of China. Correct? So does anyone need, need a ride when they're in lockdown? No. You think they'll need rides when they're out of lockdown? It looks like it. And that's why the stock's gone from a buck and a half towards five bucks. So there's been some special situations that we like that seem to make a lot of sense to us rather than just going and buying these broad-based things. Let's look at the FXI. FXI on a 20-year. Of course, I don't even know if it's been around for 20 years. So maybe we'll go to the other. Okay, it still obviously looks like it's just coming off the mat. Plenty of downside uh, uh, numbers there. So that's why you got to be careful. The five-year has turned up, which is a good thing. And uh, But 
The support comes in at 29 and it's trading at 33. So there's a lot of real estate ahead. We're not saying it's not going to keep going, but these could, things could be vulnerable to a pullback, particularly if the dollar firms up at all. Again, very extended. You got a gap there that could get filled. You got gaps there that could get filled. You got gaps there. Plenty of gaps to be filled. So again, if it does stall out here, which it might be doing at 33 bucks, be a little careful and maybe consider hedging, reducing risk, trimming, whatever the heck you want to think about. Okay, so there you go on. Uh, and then, of course, when would you get your first signal here? Again, breaking under 32 would uh, probably give you something to be worried about. There's a gap there. So we'll have to see what happens here and see if it's going to get filled. Uh, K-Web is another one uh, for uh, China for their tech stuff. And uh, K-Web, let's see what it looks like technically. Uh, you know, we look, like to look at it in all the different time frames. Otherwise, you could be, you know, just uh, a guy standing on the, on the side of the road and traffic's about to hit him and not even know why. So, again, it has turned up a little bit, but certainly the 12 SMA has not turned up. So, again, right now it looks like a rebound rally. There it goes. This thing has a nice rising uh, 12. So, staying above 30 would be nice. And then on the one year, again, looks a little bit on the high side and the RSIs here. You made, a, you made a high point there. RSI was at 63. Now you're making a high point and it's at six, well, it's around 62. So again, uh, not a big divergence there, but you certainly got gaps staring in the face. And again, it, you know, again, it could just keep going and going. There's no doubt about it, but uh, you know, getting under uh, some of these moving averages, I'd be more concerned. So that's how I'd kind of keep the risk under some kind of a control. Uh, Mexico, is something that we've liked for a long time. And I'll show you why, because it's been pretty obvious. Uh, we are obviously onshoring and trying to make things happen more locally. You can see uh, Biden's getting along with the president down there. And so this thing gave a buy signal at 35, got a little choppy. Now it's back on the buy signal with a, with a get out at 50. That's on the long term. Uh, again, a little bit uh, extended up here, but uh, you know, as long as it stays above 54, looks pretty good. And on the one year, again, staying above 56, and on the one month, uh, staying about 57, 56, okay? But again, do you have a big divergence here? Let's find out. High point here, 73 was the RSI. Now you're up here and it's 69. A Little bit of a divergence. So that's why you gotta keep a little eye on things. Otherwise, things that you're making money on could turn into things you're losing money on pretty quickly. And after 40 years of doing this, believe me, I trust nothing. So you keep an eye on things because when you don't, that's when trouble hits River City. Some. Um, okay. The other one is Brazil. Brazil's having a lot of problems down there. They had their little coup, right? They, are, they had their January 6th event, right? Where people are attacking. Bolanzaro, whatever the guy's name, he's in Miami. So I guess there's some uh, correlation there. You know, Trump was in the Mar Lago. This guy's in Miami and, uh, and everything's getting loose uh, at the Capitol. So Brazil, though, does have a lot of natural resources, and this is supposed to be a time frame where natural resources could be very valuable. So they got a lot of grain. They got a lot of metal. They got energy. So from a country standpoint, this, stuff, this place has got the stuff that we may be running out of a bit. In other words, with the weather the way it is, do you think it's, uh, growing crops is an easy thing to do uh, with regards to the lack of refineries and lack of investment into exploration? Do you think the energy supplies are that plentiful? And so, um, and then of course, they're not making any new mines for copper and they're not making any new mines for nickel, cobalt or all that stuff they need for these batteries. So this country could be something to keep a very close eye on as long as they can you know, stop fighting with each other for 10 minutes. Um, because you can see here, 
here that if we can get above, this is interesting to me because it's cheap, right? And it hasn't already made a big move. So if it gets above 35 bucks, I would say it looks like it might be going someplace. So keep an eye on it. And then of course, um, I'm from the school of, I'd rather get in at 35 on its way to 55, than get in here at 29 and find out that uh, there's going to be another coup or something like that. Um, here you go with a five, you know, again, it's early. It's early. I'm not debating that. Definitely early. But with the kind of natural resources these guys got, you know, I'll uh, I think there could be potential. This thing looks pretty good. So if you did want to get in now, get, keep it above twenty nine bucks. I'll give you, for instance, on a couple of things that they got in their com country. Like I say, I follow a lot of stuff in case you've not deducted that already. Uh, and I'm pretty familiar with all this stuff. Uh, valet. Do you think this thing would be a good thing to have in your portfolio? Possibly. Well, this is what the 20-year graph looks like. And to me, it looks like it could be ready to go bam, 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 bam. So uh, this is uh, something from Brazil. And then they've got a, um, oh, they've got many, I'm not going to go too far into it, but it looks like a pretty good situation in Brazil and then there. So there's your international, right? There's your international stuff. Um, again, you can plug in any market you want into these indicators and do your own homework, which I think is outstanding. Um, let's go over a couple of more sectors here, and then I'm going to get into those ratios because those ratios mean a lot. Okay, let's say you're looking at the, the metals. Uh, again, what metals uh, look like they may have a future? Industrial metals. Why? Because the China is reopening and they're trying to support their industry um, of uh, uh, property. It's 25% of the GDP. And obviously, she has said to himself, you know, we got to get into into a, into the team sport again. You know, we've got to forget about this common prosperity by cutting up the pie. And we got to get our pie to grow again because our pie is shrinking. We got he heavy unemployment in the 18 to 25 years old. We got people who have no confidence in the property market. Uh, we have got uh, inflation probably going to come back up and we are going to try to get things going again. Yes, we're going to open up the covid you know, and we all know that people are definitely going to be casualties of that. But she has obviously made an opinion, uh, a decision that we won't ca uh, keep a very close score on that. And then herd immunity will come in and then life will go on. I think that's been their decision on that. So uh, stuff like uh, industrial metals could very much have a very nice bid. Plus, if anything, the Democrats and Republicans can agree on, it's probably fixing our roads and fixing our bridges, right? So that's why I like it. That's why I've been involved. Okay, so um, again, with Freeport McMoran, uh, buy signal down here at 10, obviously a big run to 50. You got another buy signal at 25 bucks, ran up to 44, got another little buy area here at 37. And so again, it looks like it's trying to matriculate to the upside. Again, it's not going to go up every single day, but it looks like it's got some uh, upward bias longer term. I'm going to talk a little longer term on some of this stuff. Um, let's uh, uh, look at, um, I showed you a valet, that's also industrial metals. Uh, let's look at U.S. Steel. U.S. Steel on a long-term basis. I mean, you know, again, you know, I I'm liking the turn here. If it really gets turning, I mean, this thing has some potential to it. Doesn't mean it's got to go up, but this doesn't seem to be an embarrassing thing to consider, right? And again, it looks like its future, it might be ahead of it. And that's where you kind of want to be when you're trying to make money. You don't want to buy yesterday's newspaper. You'd like to buy what's going to be happening. And obviously you're doing forecasting, which is where the risk is. But the bottom line is, is that looks like a reasonable uh, thing to keep an eye on. So those are three right off the bat. If you want to do the one-stop shop, uh, this is the ETF on industrial metals. 
Okay, so you can see it looks pretty good too. Huh? All right, now what about the precious metals? Again, gold uh, has taken off, uh, got buy signals at 1,700 and 1,800 on that for people who listen to us. And obviously those have been pretty good signals. Uh, this mining share is a little bit more dodgy though, right? Because look, you still don't have a turn in the uh, 12 SMA. And so you gotta be a little bit concerned because gold does have a gap between 1825 and 1835. And so if it does go down into that area for whatever reason, like the dollar firms up or the Fed says we're going to be a lot tighter for a lot longer, that could change the tune here. So again, the metals look pretty good, but again, they look like they could get a little bit spotty in the short run because they've had a big run. It went from here to there, right? And it's running into some resistance. Uh, same thing on the silver. Let's take a look at the silver miners. Now, again, we've got a lot of the gold and silver stocks that we follow that we have very much been involved in since you know six months ago, a year ago, and they obviously have had a good time of it lately. So the bottom line is, is that uh, there's individual issues in all this stuff that we follow as well. But again, you can see here, you know, it's still a very sloppy looking trend. You know, it doesn't look like a hundred percent like it's going up like it did uh, between 2019 and you know 2021. You know, it doesn't have that uh, 12 SMA point up and that makes me nervous so if it makes you nervous you know you be careful there are some individual issues in silver and gold that have the 12 the 12 sma pointing up and of course those are the ones i've gravitated to not the general big one here uh so again you, you kind of like you got to be selective that's the big story here in 2023 you got to be selective right well same thing with this thing so the precious and the industrial metals are definitely places we're going and then uh since there is a situation where uh the explore Exploratory and the um, and the refiners and the um, uh, uh, services area of energy is one of the more interesting areas to us. So uh, here's your XLE, and you'll see that uh, you know there could be some vulnerability here. You got uh, high points up here between 90 and 95. It's going up to test again. You know, again, when markets get this far away from their averages, it's not a matter of if they're going to come down to those averages. It's a matter of what when okay and sometimes it takes a long time but you know here's 20 year graph you know when it gets way way away here back in uh, 2005 it did come back to the red it did come back to the green in 2006 it did come back to the um uh red and green in 2008 in 2008 after it did that last blow off not only did it come back to red green and blue it blew up blew through the whole thing now, again, there could be a big uh, uh, exploration thing and a, a supply coming on this market that the market's not con uh, concerned, uh, not aware of. That's why $70 crude is very important to hold, very important to hold 70. Uh, at any rate, these guys obviously are minting money. Their free cash flows are coming back to you in terms of buybacks and dividends. Uh, the big guys here are Exxon and Chevron, right? Okay, but I show you this because you have to be a little careful that unless we're going to go into what? A hyper parabolic blow off to the upside, which is always possible. There is some vulnerability the longer it stays underneath 95 and 90. On a short term basis, let's look at the shorter term. On a shorter term basis, you know, again, getting under this red uh, uh, 12 SMA, if you start seeing a trade underneath uh, 88, 89, and certainly if it starts trading underneath uh, 82, that would be uh, showing a little bit of a rollover on the five year. The one year graph, again, it's, uh, it's pointing up nicely here. So right there, you got an 89, uh, um, 12 SMA. You want it to stay above there. And on the um, one month, 
again, looks like it breaks underneath the 80, 850. You know, it uh, looks like it could uh, get some follow through selling. So the uh, oil price itself backed off a little bit today. So let's see how things uh, pan out. OPEC is meeting in February. The word that I hear on Bloomberg is that they're expecting steady uh, input. That's what they, that's what I read. Whether it's going to happen or not, I can't say, but uh, that's what they're talking is steady input, uh, output. I'm sorry, steady out, uh, output. Okay, so there's two other ways to play it generally. Uh, one is uh, through the, um, exp uh, the exploration and producers. And you'll see here that these, um, we're gonna go to uh, the longer term graph so you can put it in perspective. Um, it looks like it's a nice uptrend here, but you definitely want it to stay above 137 if it could, right? And uh, again, you can see when it gets away from the averages, it could have a pullback. The ones that we thought had a good opportunity here which is the kind of stuff that we like to look for, uh, was the servicers. And that's why we've been kind of uh, friendly towards things like Halliburton Slumberger, not at the levels they just hit, but on levels uh, before. Uh, because this thing turned up here, you know, back in when? Back in August of last year. So August of last year, you got kind of your signal to start getting into the Halliburton's, the Slumberger's, the Baker uh, uses, or um, the HP's, and, um, and look for uh, more upside. So this is an area, because it looks to me like if it got going, there's plenty of real estate up here. So keep an eye on the services area. That might be not a bad place to keep an eye on. Um, let's just see the last thing uh, on um, the... Um, on some of the quick sectors here. You know, the defensive ones, here's what Staples looks like. You know, is this gonna be a defensive deal or is it gonna be a deal where growth is gonna work or not, okay? Well, let's take a look at it here. This is your staple, okay? And now Staples have gotten expensive on a PE basis basis because, uh, you know, again, people went in there so heavy. Growth versus value, I'll get there in a second. I gotta get cooking because there's 15 minutes left. Uh, but you can see this thing here is rolling over a little bit, uh, but it is been a, this has been the place to be, right? You don't have any big loss when you're with this thing, right? Look at it. No big losses like you had in the other stuff. The other one where you haven't had losses if you went with it, a utility. You know, these are the ones that you didn't have to, uh, you know, drink Maalox by the gallon while you were looking at your uh, account statement last year. You know, this is where we told people there, you know, you want to hide out. You hide out there. You get a good income and your uh, principal is fairly stable. Uh, and then uh, the other one um, on top of that, of course, is always the uh, health care. And there you go. I mean, you know, you didn't take a big whack in healthcare. Okay. So bottom line is, is, you know, I try to look for things where, you know, even if the road gets rough out there, you could go someplace and maybe make some good income off the dividend. I'm expecting dividends to be increasing uh, in the years to come. So uh, dividend growers, dividend payers, that's a good place to, um, so again, um, you know, there's been some out of favor stuff, having big rallies. Again, the question is, is will they be able to stick? And you'll be able to know that pretty soon. Uh, one last thing before we split, I'm going to show you some income ideas. Like I say, you know, uh, I obviously been around for a long time. So I obviously have all different buckets of money, right? So, you know, rolling treasury bills uh, at four and a half percent is nothing to be ashamed of. You get your money back pretty quick and you're getting a pretty good return and you got no headaches, right? So again, you know, not that sexy, but, uh, you know, I'm not into sexy with regards to, uh, you know, capital, you don't want to be risking that much, right? Um, so basically, let me show you a couple of things where people are trying to get income that might make some. This is an international uh, high income. So these are stocks that pay good dividends internationally. And uh, this is a Vanguard deal. And you can see it's starting to turn up. But if you look at the five year, because it hadn't been around that long, better data to work 
with. And you can see the buy signal here at 56. And as long as it can stay here above uh, 61, this thing, uh, you'll see the distribution is not bad. And again, everyone's talking international. Why not international and get paid while you watch? Is that a bad deal? Doesn't sound like a bad deal to me. Okay, um, other ones, uh, you know, what are tax freeze doing? Again, it's all according to what they're going to do with these rates. Everyone's saying they're almost done. They're almost done. They're almost done. Hey, listen, I don't know how, what they're done. You know, I'm not from the school of telling the Fed how to do it. But this thing gave a buy signal down at 1020 when the, uh, the muni bond market turned up. It's a little bit extended up here. Okay, so again, if rates get, you know, going the other way, uh, you know, obviously this thing could pull back. But this has not been a bad place to be since uh, November. Uh, and that's a uh, tax free high yield is another one. And then here's one that if we are really going to get lower rates in the years to come, this is one to keep an eye on. It's called extended um, duration and it's kind of zero coupon kind of stuff. And you can see it's just beginning to turn here. And it did give us a little bit of a signal here in the low 80s. It's in 90. It's got some resistance there. But if there was a turn, this vehicle is very, very um, uh, duration uh, risk and so interest rate sensitive. And so it could really go if, in fact, we do say if we got an actual change in the Fed's policy, which, you know, frankly, is a little premature, but it might not be. And this thing is turning, so you don't fight the tape. Right? All right. I am going to go to those um, ratio charts here. Um, which I think you guys will be finding uh, interesting. Let's see if I can get them up here. Oh, God. Okay, let me go to Google and see if I could get this up for you quickly, and we can jam through these things, because these things are very interesting to me. There we go. Okay, so check some of these out, because I find them very fascinating. You can make your own decision, as you always will. Okay, um, uh, the Buffett Indicator. This is telling you if stocks are undervalued or overvalued, okay? It goes back 20 years, you tell me. You do your own math, okay? This is 2000. That was the Buffett indicator at 2000, at 134. Look where it went in 2021. Do you understand why you lost money if you hold on to stocks when it gets overvalued? Now it's come back down to what? 152. Hey, the thing is still way above the 2000. So people are telling you the stocks are really, really cheap. I question that. And that's, uh, you know, and again, it's having some support because this is, was the former high of 2019. So it's stalled here, right? It's stalled here, but I don't know that it's bottom. So I'd watch it very closely. Because again, if it breaks under here, then it could go down to where the mean is. And you see what the word mean is? The mean is under 100. So we are way above the mean by a lot. And that's why you got to be careful out there. And that's why those treasury bills look pretty good. Okay, uh, let's talk about another one that's a little bit, uh, here's uh, stocks to uh, gold and silver, okay? This tells me that it's possible the silver is a little bit undervalued here because the silver line way down here, you got stocks and gold way up here. So it tells me the silver might be a little bit undervalued. So I'm keeping an eye on silver for that reason. Otherwise, they're pretty much in line. Uh, stocks versus bonds. This is a good one. Okay. Well, can you see 2000? It peaked out, meaning you want to be out of stocks and into bonds, 144. Look what it did uh, when it peaked last time. It peaked in 2022, April. And obviously, they're saying that is rolled over and it's possible that bonds will outperform the stocks, especially if this thing is gonna correct like it did after 2000, right? After 2000, what did it do? Uh, for two years, bonds did a lot better than stocks. Is that possible? It's possible. And that's why you might wanna put that into your think tank. Okay, next uh, relationship that I find interesting is uh, gold to the Dow. So is gold gonna do better than the Dow? Let's find out. 
Well, to me, it looks like it's about ready to roll over here, possibly. So that means the Dow is going to go down and gold might outperform. Do you see what happened uh, after uh, uh, the 2000.com uh, peak, right? Uh, uh, Dow went down and over the next few years, gold had a very nice run, right? All the way till 2012. Is that about ready to happen again? It might. So keep an eye on it. it could be a relationship there. That's why maybe uh, look, keeping an eye on that gold on any pullback might be worthwhile. That ratio looks like it's rolling over and it looks early. Um, okay. These are all my opinions and my views. Obviously, everybody has their own, right? Okay. Uh, growth to value. Let's take a look here. Okay. Well, you know, like then people go, uh, Jim, where are you getting this idea? Go to growth, go to value. Here's where I'm getting it. Uh, in, uh, in November of last year, I said, get out of, uh, you know, my opinion was get out of uh, um, growth and go back into value big advantage there. Then in May, we had a big low and it looked like it turned. So I say, get out of, uh, you know, the favor growth. All right. And then it comes back up till when? September, August. And then it reverses and says, get out of uh, growth and go back into value. And it's still saying the same thing right now, despite the rally. Okay. But it is hitting a support zone right? Just like the uh, uh, Buffett indicator. So there is some support. 104 is the high there. And right now we're at 104 again area. So there is some support there. That's why the values, uh, the growth stocks have had a pretty good time of it. We'll have to see if they continue. If they give up the boat in the next month, then obviously this thing's going to continue to say value over growth, right? Okay. Uh, large cap, small cap. This is a pretty good one, right? Everyone's yelling small cap. Why is that? Well, here's why. After we peaked in 1999, large cap was the place to be. But after we peaked in 2000, for the next, what, eight years, it looks like small caps was the place to be much more, particularly in the, in the first six years after the peak. Now, what's that looking like? That looks like the gold to uh, stocks. So the, it looks like it's rolling over. So it looks like large cap might uh, go in the, uh, might uh, underperform the small caps. And that's where they're getting that from. And that looks like it's a, a initial stages. So that's interesting. Uh, where else are we here? Oh, yeah, this is U.S. stocks to the world. This is why this is very, very interesting. Okay. During the big uh, dot-com bubble, okay, the thing peaked out at 108. Look where this thing peaked out in October of last year. 144. That's like 40% higher than it peaked in dot-com. And it's just beginning to turn down. So do you understand why people are saying favor the world over, um, over the U.S. Uh, stock market? And there's a graph that shows you that there could be a lot of room. Now, again, it's rolled over before and didn't follow through. It rolled over here a little bit. It rolled over here in 2020 a little bit. But again, the U.S. stocks did come back. So again, it's not a for sure, but you can see why they're saying that there could be a rollover here and it could have a long time effect. Okay, so that's where you're getting that. And that's coming off of a very, very extended position. So I'm very interested in that. But again, when everyone runs in on a short term basis, may not be the time to start getting in might be a little bit see maybe if the dollar firms up and you got a correction on the short term, that might be the opportunity to start uh, dollar cost averaging into the thing. Uh, here is a uh, developed markets versus uh, non developed. I mean, excuse me versus emerging. And again, uh, emerging markets, uh, hit a pretty good bottom in 2015. But this is the lowest it's been. And it turned up again, same time, October, right? You know it, emerging markets and, uh, and international turned up in October. And it's had a good rally. So look, that's a, it looked like it bottomed in October there. And that level uh, coincides with about 2002, 2003. So right after the crash, 
people tend to go into small caps and they tend to go into gold and they tend to go into what? Emerging market. That's what it looks like. Is that going to repeat itself? Unknown. That's why you get paid the big bucks when you're right on these things, right? Because you're taking the risk. Copper to gold, kind of dodgy, not really much there. Here, I want to—I don't want to run out of time before I get to a couple more very important ones. Okay, these are the, I'm going to finish with these uh, three real quick. Okay, the debt to GDP. Let's do this and then we'll shut her down. I see there's some questions here. I'm going to get to those questions or you guys can email me at optionprofessor.com uh, uh, or optionprofessor at gmail.com. But uh, here's the thing. World War II, GD, uh, the uh, um, uh, debt to uh, GDP, 121. That was the all-time high. Look what it did in 2020. It went up to 134. It's still at what? 122, which is what? way uh, the same as it was world war ii so we got a huge debt to uh, uh debt to gdp this one's the key that i've been talking about this is money supply growth check it out okay look is that a crash of money supply growth i mean come on 2021 we're at 24 percent. we're down under zero now under zero the lowest it's been at since when 1994 1993 right also down here in 1969, also in 1959, also in 1940. But this is like record low. And what's that telling me? It means that this inflation rate has peaked. You can see, right? Coming down. So that's coming down. And before, look, when it started to break, right? Then they start, when they actually see it breaking, then they print. Uh, after, uh, you get in, uh, after you get money supply down, then inflation breaks, then they print. So again, you know, we're going to have an inflation thing here in uh, the in 1980s. We went down and then we uh, and then they'll print. So they're going to be able to print because they've tanked the money supply if things get weird. OK, so that's that's a big thing to know that they are in a position to print because they just tanked the money supply. OK, one other thing is this one here. And this is real interest rates. And this is very important as far as I'm concerned. OK. Uh, the red line is the inflation rate. The, the black line is the nominal interest rate. Okay. And then the real interest rate is the blue, which is the difference between nominal and what? Real, right? I assume nominal and inflation. So if you got inflation at 6.45, like we do, and a nominal rate of 4.72, like we do, you got a negative real rate, right? Now look in 1980, last time we had this problem. Okay. We got the inflation rate to come down, but the real rate, and the nominal rate both got above inflation and both stayed there for a long time to try to keep the inflation down. And the inflation stayed down pretty, pretty well uh, from 1983 all the way until more like uh, 2008. So again, they know that if they do their job right now and keep this thing tight, they'll have a much better future. And so until the real rate and the nominal rate gets above the inflation rate, I'd be very careful talking about the Fed being done. All right, it's uh, top of the hour here, so it's time to do my little uh, call me uh, spiel. So here we go. Uh, again, this is the Option Professor. Our website is optionprofessor.com. Uh, you obviously can go there and you can put your information in and then we can talk. We've got three things for you right off the bat. One is we have a PDF report that explains how to hedge against market declines, protect your portfolio against market declines, and also upside surprises. Comes in very handy. Two, we have a list of the best uh, stocks, in our opinion, by sector. And uh, three, we have a one-on-one -on -one session with me, 
where we can discuss things. You can share ideas with me. I can give you opinions. I can share ideas with you with my opinions, and hopefully you'll get good value out of that, which I think many people have. So the way you get this going is simply go to option, O-P-T-I-O-N, professor, P-R-O-F-E-S-S-O-R.com, put your information in, including your email address and phone, and then we will speak. And then again, you can share with me things that you're trying to do or thinking about doing, or maybe had trouble with in the past. And I can also share with you, obviously, 40 years of knowledge and experience and uh, give you some opinions on how I see things. And then again, we don't give advice out. So again, uh, do go and get the information we can give you. And uh, thank everybody for being here today. I'm going to give up the, the rope here because it's my time to close down. Optionprofessor.com. And I'm uh, more than happy to speak to you. It's free of charge to ask. So again, come on and let us know. All right. Back to David. Thank you very much, everybody.